The reading that this sermon is based on is from Mark chapter 10. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were astonished, but those who followed him were afraid. Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him, and he will rise again after three days. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. They answered him, Allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup that I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten disciples heard this, they began began to be indignant with James and John. Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please give us the courage and strength to trust in your obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit, which you've given us in our baptisms. Amen. Obedience. Um, What do you think of when I say obedience? Is it a scary word? Is it a harsh word? Does it conjure up images of, like, I don't know, a slave master in a, you know, a historical movie. Or, I don't know, like Captain Von Trapp, when he, he blows his whistle and he makes all of his kids march in and stand in a line and he inspects their fingernails. And, I don't know, how about a, an authoritarian regime? Uh, you know, stormtroopers arriving at your door and knocking and asking you questions about how you live your life. Is that what obedience means to you? I, I don't think that obedience always meant that. I don't think it always had that negative image in our cultural conscience until very recently in history. I mean, think of movies like Mary Poppins. You know, through song and dance, it's chronicled the, all the fun you can have that is only possible when you behave and listen to what your parents tell you to do. I mean, it's kind of a, a fun moral. Or Pinocchio. Uh, I haven't seen this one in a very long time, but from what I can remember about Pinocchio, uh, it shows what happens to little boys and marionettes 
uh, who don't live by their father's wise counsel. And truly, in reality, I mean, let's be real. You know, who doesn't want to make their parents happy? Who, who doesn't want to, you know, make their older brother or sister happy that they look up to? When dad leaves and he says, you're in charge of looking after the house while I'm gone. You know, all of a sudden we're, you know, a, a watchful guardian that will stay up late into the night when he comes back or, you know, the five minutes as he's at the store. Uh, or I think what I really resonate with is, you know, when your older brother finally says, you can come along with me and hang out with my friends and you want to act all mature and show how, you know, cool you've become since you were a little kid. Well, yeah, I think obedience is actually one of the most prized virtues that we still have as a society, as a Christian church. And uh, this morning, we're brought into a world that's at the very cusp of the end of an era. The ending of an old covenant that was mentioned in the Old Testament reading and the beginning of a new one also mentioned in the Old Testament reading. The Old Covenant relied on the close following and perfecting the obedience to specific laws and strange rituals led by very specific people that were appointed by your community to test your obedience, whether it be a priest, a rabbi, a teacher. That was their job. In return, these priests, in return for your obedience, would offer up sacrifices for your sins, right? Well, you know, I actually almost said in the gospel reading, I almost said Jesse James because of the billboard that I looked at every few miles coming driving in this morning. But sorry, James and John, they were raised in the system. They, they wanted to be great. They wanted to be honored and respected, not only by the high priests, but also the community, the people that they were going to temple with every day. They wanted to be uh, seen as mature and cool by their older brothers and sisters, their younger brothers and sisters. They wanted dad to say, yeah, I trust him with the family farm or whatever. And they would do this by being obedient to the law the law of the high priests. And so when they started to follow the new rabbi, the cool rabbi, Jesus bar Joseph, the Nazarene that he was called, they wanted to impress him by being obedient. This rabbi, I mean, he could quote the Torah, the prophets, like the back of his hand. You know, he could, he always had the right answer. He always had the right thing to say or do in the situations where we would feel uncomfortable or not know what to say. And he would heal the sick, the blind, the lame. He, he had a huge heart. He was compassionate. He, was, he had sympathy for the underdog, even though he was so great. And like little brothers, they thought their older brother Jesus was who they wanted to be like. And so they were obedient to what he would tell them. And so when Jesus says wild things like ask 
and it will be given to you. You start to trust him because he is giving you what you've been praying for all this time. And I think this is where their request comes from, James and John. They, they say, we want to be seated on thrones to your right and your left, Jesus, when you are in your glory. When you're in your full glory, we want to be enthroned to your right and your left. Now, of course, they don't quite understand what that means yet. Jesus says, I don't think you know what that means yet. And he, they say, oh, no, we do. And it's what we want. We want to be seated on thrones. We want to drink your cup. We want to be baptized with your baptism. And Jesus says, yes, you will be baptized like me. You will drink my cup. And again, they don't understand what they're asking for. They will be baptized into Christ's suffering and death. They will drink of Christ's cup of suffering. I mean, just a little bit later, James will be stoned and clubbed to death while he's being an evangelist in Syria. And John is going to be, you know, slowly dipped into boiling oil when Christians are persecuted in Rome. Isn't it strange how you often get what you wish for? Jesus tries to explain today in the gospel reading to James and John that what, when they're asking for those thrones of honor at his right and left, to, that they want to drink of his cup, that they want to be baptized like him, that it's not exactly what they expect, but that they will get these things. Jesus is very specific about their, their request of being seated on thrones and authority. Jesus reframes forever what it means to hold authority. He says, when you're a Christian, when you hold authority as a Christian, he says, all those Gentiles out there that are considered rulers, they lord it over people, which is a pretty funny phrase that we still use today. But whoever would be first among you amongst my followers, must be slaves of all. Because even the Son of Man, even I, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as ransom for many. The picture that Jesus is trying to paint in their heads is finally becoming more and more clear. Jesus will come to show the fullness of his glory In his suffering and death on the cross, his throne of glory, the ultimate seat of power, power over sin, death, and the devil. And when James and John ask to be seated there at his right and left, they're asking to take their place in suffering, in death, right next to Jesus on his cross. And being obedient, they do follow him to that death. But we return to us today. We love Christ. We love Jesus. We would do anything that he asks of us, right? Anything. Most of us are like, to use another movie reference, we're like Charlie in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm sure most of you have either read the book, I think we read it in grade school, or you've seen one of the few movies that have made of it, that were made of it, but... Um, 
We're invited to this chocolate factory, which we heard about our entire lives. We think, oh yeah, we want to go to the chocolate factory. It's great. I love Willy Wonka. We bring close family with us into that chocolate factory, and we do whatever Willy Wonka tells us to do, right? Remember the plot of the movie? We don't lick the wallpaper that tastes like schnozberries, right? We we don't drink from the chocolate river like Augustus Gloop. We, we don't chew the experimental blueberry gum and become giant blueberry people. And, you know, we, we try not to swear. We, we, we go to church as often as we can. We do the right thing even when, you know, people are getting ahead and cheating. We make it so far until we until we just can't help ourselves from drinking the fizzy lifting drink like Charlie did. We go as far as we can until we can't help tell that white lie for slight benefit, until we can't stop ourselves from gossiping because, come on, Jennifer's kid? Are you kidding me? And so we expect to fail. We think, okay, We flunked out of the Christian program. Jesus is going to be so upset with me. I don't know if anyone remembers uh, Gene Wilder freaking out at Charlie because he, you know, drank the fizzy lifting drink, told about the, the, the everlasting gobstopper. He flipped out at him. We all expect Jesus to flip out at us because we weren't obedient. We didn't do what he said. But it's not what Jesus came to do. Or to be. No matter what we try to make him out to be, Jesus Christ is not and will never be Willy Wonka. It's not about our obedience. It's not about what we can do, whether it be obedience to the law or to the wise words of Jesus. It's not about what we are obedient to and for. It's about Jesus' obedience to his Father. The writer of Hebrews today, in a seemingly strange epistle, he lets us know about that how each day of Christ's life here on earth, when he was doing his 33 years or so of ministry, Satan was trying every day to get him to slip up and act out of disobedience to the Father every day. Whether it be tempting him with food or power in the desert or that dark night in Gethsemane, there was nothing that Satan wanted more than for the Son of God and the Son of Man to throw in the towel and say, you know what, I can't do it, and I'm not going to do it. But he did it. For you. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, but didn't. And he was heard because of his reverence. He learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect in that suffering, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest. 
Jesus, so what is this saying? Jesus was perfectly Jesus. He was perfectly the son when he went obediently to the cross and suffered and died. He was perfectly the son when he was obedient. In his obedience, he was made perfect. That is his cup. And that is his throne, the cross. He now reigns eternally, righteously on that throne. He's the high priest of the new covenant in his own blood. And in his princedom, Jesus serves us all. And we follow his example and we serve the least of these in this world. Because he first gave his life for them and for you. And I know probably what you're thinking is, Dan, this is great. uh, But I still want to be obedient to Jesus. Please don't tell me it's all just about Jesus' obedience. I want to be obedient to Jesus. I love him. I want to do what he says. But I can proudly proclaim to you today that you can keep doing that. Continue doing that out of love. Know that being obedient to Jesus is a good thing. Having faith in him. Drinking his cup in suffering and at the communion rail. Who, with all those who have passed on. With the other Christians throughout the world. With the great cloud of witnesses that has gone to be with the Lord now. And please... Continue to remember your baptism daily. Daily drown old Adam, old Eve. Because when he says, you will be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized, he's talking about baptism into his suffering, death, and resurrection, and then eternal life, which is now yours in Christ Jesus. And in this new covenant that Jesus extended to you, God forgives you and remembers your sin no more. Now, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.